0: right, we are continuing our series this morning, uh, Repositioning, Repositioning Ourselves. And this morning, the title of my message is Repositioning on Purpose, Repositioning on Purpose. And it's a bit of a play on words because in order to reposition, you have to reposition on purpose, right? You have to do it on purpose. You don't just fall into reposition unless you're falling into a fall, (laughs) okay? You have to reposition on purpose. But my message is really about repositioning ourselves to be in line and aligned with God's purposes for us. Repositioning ourselves to be best set up to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. And your purpose and my purpose are not the same. And how you need to position yourself and how I need to position myself is different okay and we're going to be looking at that this morning father i thank you for your word and we trust you holy spirit that you will speak to our hearts this morning you're the teacher you're the counselor you're the encourager you're the one who searches our hearts and the hearts of our father so speak to us we pray we speak to us uh, i pray lord god for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be in this place in jesus name amen If you can turn with me to Jeremiah 1, verse 17. Jeremiah 1, verse 17 when i was thinking about this message and just i always like to feel what's on god's heart hear what's on his heart for his people i just i can easily come up uh, with some scriptures and that's a nice message but i like to feel like i'm carrying the heart of the father for his people and i really believe this message this morning is that for us and this is the scripture that was burning in my heart when i was praying about this morning it's jeremiah 1 verse 17 i'm going to read it from the amplified first This is the lord and he's speaking to jeremiah his prophet and he says but you jeremiah gird up your loins gird up your loins arise and tell them all that i command you you jeremiah gird up your loins And that phrase, gird up your loins, rang inside of my heart. It kept ringing inside of my heart. Gird up your loins. I'm going to read that portion of that verse in a number of different translations because it helps us understand what that phrase actually means. In the message it says, but you, up on your feet and get dressed for work. Stand up and say your peace. In the niv it says get yourself ready stand up and say what i command you in the nlt it says get up and prepare for action go out and tell them everything that i tell you to say gird up your loins jeremiah gird up your loins what is that talking of in the old testament the people would wear long robes the men would wear long robes and when they had to move or run it would hinder them from doing that so what they would do was gather up their robes and tuck it into their girdle so that they could move easily so what is girding up your loins girding up your loins is preparing for the next thing that you are about to do why would they gird up their why would they gird their robes into their girdle so that they wouldn't be hindered in doing the next thing that God had called them to do gird up your loins prepare yourself for what God has for you next how many of you know that good is the enemy of the best good is the enemy of the best and in Johannesburg and in south africa we can fill our lives with so much stuff we do so much how many of you do a lot we all do a lot and we can do so much good stuff that our lives get full and we crowd out the very thing that god is wanting us to make space for god was instructing jeremiah to prepare and arrange himself for the next thing god had for him what does God have for you next are you arranging yourself and your life for this purpose what season are you in right now do you know what season you're in what is God doing in your life right now what are his purposes for you right now what is God doing in you right now do you know what season is God wanting to bring you into do you know that what season is he bringing you into and how would he possibly want you to position yourself or reposition yourself to prepare yourself for the purpose that he has for you in the next season and i have good news for you this morning that we can boldly enter that throne room and hear from our father the purpose that he has for each one of us that if you don't know what he's doing you can hear from your father he longs to tell you it's not something that he's hiding from us he wants to make it plain he wants to make it clear and if we don't know we just need to ask to best position ourselves with respect to the purpose that god has for us we have to understand The process that he uses to bring us to the ultimate purpose that he has for us. How many of you know that in life there's seasons? He might say to you, Your purpose is to be the president of the country, but you know there's a process that you have to go through to get there. How do you position yourself to get where God has called you as a woman, as a career woman? You get married, you have children. You off-ramp often for a period. You take care of your children. You on-ramp again. Those are seasons. You never With God, it's never the straight line to the ultimate fulfillment of purpose. There's seasons in life. We have to understand the times and seasons of the Lord so that we don't short-circuit what God is doing now and we get to our purpose at the right time and at the right place. Amen. Now, what I have experienced of God and what I see in Scripture when I look in Scripture, God is not a linear A to B type of person. Okay? I'm quite linear in my thinking, I'm quite concrete, literal. I'm quite A to B. Okay? But what I've seen of God is He's not like me he's not a to b some of us have one year plans some of us have two year plans some of us have five year plans some of us when we really goal oriented we have 10 year plans and we make sure that we're going and we're on this line to fulfill our purpose but god he doesn't view things like that and in order to rightly align ourselves and to be rightly aligned and gird up our loins we have to understand how god works in our lives so that we can work with him and not against him you know with god we never get to fail a test we just get to retake it so i don't want to go round and round and round the same mountain because i don't understand what he's doing okay i'm sure you don't either now with god it's not about a time when we will fulfill our purpose when you are 45 years old that's when you can fulfill your purpose when you are 62 then you can No, with God it's about maturity it's about fullness it's about ripeness it's about readiness when we are ready then we fulfill the next stage that he has for us when we work with God and we understand what he's doing in our lives we get to that place more quickly than if we don't understand I want to understand what he's doing in my life, amen. The Israelites, I just had to share this example with you. The Israelites in the wilderness are such a classic example of this. You know, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and God spoke to Moses and delivered them out of slavery. Moses led the people into the wilderness, they're going to cross the wilderness, and go into their promised land and that was god's promise to them now they get through the wilderness to a place called kadesh Barnea, and you can see this if you look in numbers they get to a place called kadesh Barnea, and they send out 12 spies into the promised land to check it out. And the spies go in there, they come back, and they report to all the people and to Moses, and the report, I've got it here, Numbers 14, they basically cried out, they didn't want to go in, they said, we can't take on these people, they they will kill us, you know, they were basically saying God is not big enough, they had hearts of unbelief. God is not big enough to take us into the promised land, we're not ready, we can't do that. And there were two spies who came back with hearts filled with belief and faith and hearts that were rightly positioned for the promise of God. They were ready and ripe to go into their promised land, but the other people, the ten spies and the rest of the Israelites were not ready to go in. So guess what? God said, okay, these two are ready. The rest of you are not ready. He's talking about a heart attitude, right? The rest of you, your hearts aren't positioned correctly. I can't work with you. Back you go into the wilderness. You're going to be in the wilderness for 40 years until every one of you who have hearts that are not positioned and rightly aligned with my purposes in faith and belief die. And then I will bring a new generation into the promise, into the purposes of God with Caleb and Joshua, who were the two spies who had hearts of belief. So the Israelites, when they set off from Egypt... And they crossed the wilderness some people say should have taken six weeks with all those people we double it 12 weeks a journey of 12 weeks took 40 years 40 years why because the people's hearts were not rightly aligned with god with his word with what he was saying they were not in belief they didn't have they hadn't girded up their loins and their hearts and so they went back so that god could bring them to a place of maturity so as i've been looking at this whole concept of girding up our loins and preparing ourselves i just see that so much of it has to do with our hearts so much of it has to do with how we align our hearts toward God, toward leaders, toward the people that he places around us, toward people who abuse us, toward all sorts of things, to, what, to God's word and what he said to us, to his promise. So much of it has to do with our hearts and how we align it. And I want us, I want me to enter in and reach that, full, that maturity and that fullness soon. I don't want to have to spend 40 years circling in the wilderness because I'm just not getting the message. Amen. I want to get the message. So, I want us to start by looking at an example of someone who is such an exemplary example, if I can use that phrase, is such an exemplary picture <laughs> of what it means to have a heart that's rightly positioned. And yes, maybe he was immature at the beginning, but we're all immature in the beginning, aren't we? We all start off there. We all start off somewhere. So I'm wanting to look at Joseph. Joseph he's my first example and yesterday um I hadn't planned basically to talk about Joseph and yesterday the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and he said I want you to talk to my people about the process and journey of God the process and journey of God because life is a journey we never arrive purpose is a journey we never fully arrive we're always moving on to the next portion of our purpose that God has for us until it's completed and then we go home And I'm not ready to go home. So I'm still on my journey. I don't know about you, I'm sure you are too. Okay, so the first example of how essential constant repositioning of our heart is in God's journey to purpose fulfillment is Joseph. And we need to understand how God works in our lives so we don't get disillusioned along the way. I don't want to get disillusioned. I don't want you to get disillusioned. Okay. Now, I'm going to pick it up in Genesis 37 verse 4, and I'm going to read some of the story of Joseph, Genesis 37 verse 4, 2.30 if you have your Bibles. But, Joseph, but Joseph's brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him okay so joseph's brothers hated him they couldn't say anything kind to him they were jealous of him one night joseph had a dream and then he goes on to tell his brothers and he says we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain suddenly my bundle stood up your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine and then his brother said so you think you will be our king do you now joseph is a young brother do you actually think you will reign over us and they hated him even more Then Joseph had another dream, and he said, guys, I had another dream. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down before me. And he told the dream to the father as well as his brothers. And then the father says, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? They were horrified. Joseph was a young brother in the family. He was actually the second youngest. And while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant okay so his brothers are jealous of him now god in joseph from joseph's perspective god has given him a word how many of you have had a word you had a promise from god you have something that god has spoken to you that's burning in your heart okay great so what happens next well his brothers go out they're far from home they're tending the the livestock and his father sends sends joseph to go and check up on the brothers So off he goes and he checks up on the brothers, and the brothers are scheming, they hate him, they're jealous of him, and they say, let's kill him, let's kill him. And then Simeon and Judah get together and they end up not killing him, but selling him out to some Midianite traders as a slave. Now get this, God gave him a promise that he's gonna have much influence and actually that his family and his father and his mother and everyone who's older than him is gonna bow down to him and what happens next? He's sold into slavery. He sold into slavery. How many of you have ever had a word? And the next thing, you tripped up and you're like the furthest thing from that word that is even possible. And you're like, God, I thought you spoke to me. It was as clear as a bell. What is happening? Okay. Genesis 37 verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar. So now he's a slave and he's being sold to someone as a slave, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. Joseph had a dream. The word of the Lord came to him. He was going to rule. Even his mother, father, 11 brothers would bow down to him. What a powerful word of God. It was probably burning in his heart. Where does he find himself at this story? A slave. A slave in Egypt, very far from those people that he saw bowing down to him in his dream. Okay? how should joseph position himself at this point how would you position yourself should he start telling everyone it's been a big mistake i'm supposed to rule over my family you don't understand should he get bitter and dis and disillusioned and his heart filled with unforgiveness toward his brothers what should he do should he take offense at what happened to him or, or that his very own brothers were the ones who were envious how many of you have been hated how many of you have had people envious of you? How many of you have had people do things that were unjust to you? How did you respond? How did Joseph respond? The positioning of Joseph needed, needed to be that of humbling himself in the process of god because god was in this we're going to see that you see it at the end of the story that god was in this whole process to our mind it's anathema to our thinking but he said i'm going to be a king and i'm here so just make me a king that's a straight line a to b boom it's done on to the next thing god was like no 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 no. we start that's where you're going but when god gives us a word he never tells us the fine print. he never gives us the small print. there's always a cost There's always a cost. Ephesians 8, verse 8 to 10 says, Therefore, when he ascended on high of Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Even Jesus had to descend first before he could ascend to fulfill the ultimate purpose. It's the same with us. Whenever God gives us a word, his purpose is such that he's going to test it first we're going to go down first and God is going to test our heart attitude and it's in that place of testing where he's preparing our hearts to contain the fullness of what he spoke to us at the beginning Because I can tell you right now, for all of us, every single person here, when God declares a word to us, generally speaking, we are probably not ready to contain that which he has for us. But he's faithful to his word, and he will prepare us. And what we need to do is gird up our loins. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to keep our hearts, and sometimes keeping our hearts means every morning, means every hour forgiving that person. Keeping our hearts right. Joseph's classic example of declaration of the word to fulfillment of the promise and the journey in between. I just want to encourage us this morning, if God has given you a word, if you have a dream, a vision burning in your heart, never give up. God always has us on a journey. He always has us on a process. And the best thing you and I can do is say, Lord, give me understanding of what you're doing in this season so I can submit to it so that I can reach the maturity and the ripeness and Fulfill that thing quicker. than I don't want to go round and round and round the wilderness. Okay, Genesis thirty-nine. Joseph was taken to Egypt, and Potiphar was his, bought him. Verse two: The Lord was with Joseph. Hello, the Lord was with Joseph. How many of you, if you were sold into slavery by your own brothers, would actually come to a point of believing that the Lord is with me? No most of us would be like god where are you you abandoned me did you lie did you forget what you promised maybe i misheard most of us go into that but it says to me here he was a slave he was sold into slavery god was with joseph and he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his master. That was how God wanted him to position himself in that season. He was called to rule, but in that season, he had to keep his heart right. He had to be faithful with everything that God put in his hand, and he had to serve in the household of his master. What is God calling you to do in this season? Are you in a place where you need to be faithful with what God has put in your hand, in the workplace? Wherever you are in church, what responsibility with your children, what responsibilities has God put in your hand? And are you being faithful? Because God promotes those who are faithful. God is not a respecter of man, He looks to see if we are faithful. He did everything well in his master's house. Verse four please Potiphar, so, jo- so so Joseph was made his personal attendant and put in charge of his entire household. Can you see that when our hearts are right, when we position ourselves aright in our hearts, we gird up our loins and God is with us. That even if we slaves, we'll still come rise to the surface because God is with us. If our hearts are right, Amen so joseph was put in charge of everything and the household affairs ran smoothly etc etc then verse 7 potiphar's wife began to notice him and lust after him she quite fancied him and she was trying to get him to jump into bed with her she said come come with me but joseph refused and i love what he said he says in verse 9 it would be a great sin against who god It would be a great sin against God. He feared God more than man. He passed a test. That's a test. See, in our place of uh, our process, our journey to fulfillment, there are always tests that God sets before us. Tests of fear of man. Tests, all sorts of tests. And this was a test. Does he fear God more than man? He could lose his job. He knew that. I'm sure he knew that. He could lose his place as second-in-command over Potiphar's household. But he ran. He fled temptation. How many of us would do that? He fled temptation. Maybe in your workplace the temptation is just a little bit of crooked here. Just a little bit of crooked there. Just a bit of underhanded here. No one notice. Everyone's doing it. It's okay. No, God notices. And if you're crooked, you're crooked. You're crooked. How much is your integrity worth? How much is your integrity worth? There's a story that I listened to once where there was a lady on a plane sitting next to this gentleman. And she was a beautiful looking lady. And the guy said to her, uh, if I offered you, I can't remember the exact amount of money, but it was an enormous amount, 10 million US dollars, would you spend the night with me? Would you come and have dinner? And she's like, ooh, 10 million. Oof. Uh, I'll think about it by the time the plane landed she said okay and then he said to her well actually i don't have that amount of money but i can give you a hundred and she was offended she's like well what type of woman do you think i am and he said well you already showed me what type of woman you are it's just the price we're haggling about how much is your integrity worth Joseph wouldn't do it and he ran and she falsely accused him to Potiphar and and had him thrown and he was basically thrown in prison so he's coming as a slave he's been faithful in his master's household he's risen to be second in command false accusation how many of you have been falsely accused about something people lying about you okay false accusation he's thrown into prison even worse than when he first arrived in Egypt now he's a slave who's in prison who's marked basically this one is trouble Okay? God said he was going to be a king. This is the journey that God had for him. I wonder what was going on in Joseph's heart in prison, because he was in prison for years. What would have been going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart right now? What's going on in your heart towards those who've hurt you? Towards those who've falsely accused you? Towards those who've lied about you? You know, it's painful to be lied about uh, by those you love. It's painful to be lied about and accused by people you look up to, even spiritual authority. It's painful. It's unjust, right? But God expects us to look to him and release and forgive, not for anyone else's sake, but for our sake. I don't forgive because you deserve my forgiveness. No, I forgive because if I hold unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and hoping you die. But I die. Because I'm not forgiven if I don't forgive. That's what Jesus taught in the New Testament. Amen. So God was with Joseph and he was blessed. He was lied about, falsely accused, mistreated, experienced injustice and so forth. Yet God was with him. I see the same thing with Jacob. He was blessed, but he was lied to, treated unjustly, mistreated. But God was with him and he succeeded. How many of you are in a place where you feel like, Lord, if you were really with me, this wouldn't be happening to me. No. God can be with us and we still experience stuff because we live in a fallen world. Amen. God prospered Joseph in each place he found himself in, whether it was a slave, a prisoner, or anything else. Now we continue the story. He's in, he's in prison. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and baker offended their master and they're thrown in prison and they're in prison for a while and and then they have a dream both of them have a dream and joseph interprets both of the dreams and the one of them was going to be put to death and the other one was going to go back into the uh, the king's palace and joseph said to the cupbearer, who was going to go back into the king's palace, he said, "Listen, I've interpreted your dream and, it's, and, and, and you're going back to, to, to the, the palace. When you get there, please remember me, please talk of me to the king. You know please remember me. I've done good for you. Joseph was faithful in the prison. So the cupbearer gets out, and Genesis 40, 40 verse 23, Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph never giving him another thought. How many of you have ever felt forgotten, alone, insignificant? Have you ever helped someone, loved on someone, ministered to someone even, and then felt taken for granted? They walked away and it was like, later for you ever felt unappreciated these are all tests from god we must see them like that they test from god in the middle of our process i'm sure joseph faced all of these temptations and more but somehow he managed to navigate his heart always keeping it repositioned in the right place always girding up his heart saying, bringing himself back to a place where he's like my heart must be right with god my heart must be right with god Genesis 41, two years later, after the cupbearer had gone back to the palace. Can not you imagine that? Two years he's been waiting, hoping. He's probably stopped hoping by now. Two years later, God never forgets. God never forgets. He waits. He waits until we're ready. Two years later, Joseph has still been in prison. Remember, he's there unjustly. Pharaoh has a dream. Who do you think gave Pharaoh that dream? god why do you think god gave fear the dream because he knew that joseph was the only one who's going to interpret it and god was like you know what buddy joseph your time is up it's time you're ready when god is ready he'll do something We don't need to make it happen for him when he's ready he'll do it we need to reposition our hearts and basically he sees the the pharaoh sees seven fat healthy cows seven scrawny cows eat the fat cows he sees seven heads of grain appear that are fat and healthy and seven thin the seven thin heads eat the fat heads and he doesn't know what it means and all his magicians can't interpret it and then the cupbearer says oh you know what i remember in prison there was a guy and he interpreted my dream i can i think let's call him so joseph Came out of prison interpreted the dream and the pharaoh was so impressed with him he said there's no one who has such wisdom as you do i can see that god is on your life come you're going to be second in command in actual fact because the dreams speak of a famine i'm going to put you in charge of the whole land there'll be no one who has more authority than you apart from me and you're going to administrate all of these things in the whole of the egyptian empire From the word to a slave to second-in-command in Potiphar's house to a prison for a number of years to second-in-command, who would have thought? God is not an A to B type of God. There's a process. There's a journey. Keep repositioning our hearts so that God can move us on. Do you think Joseph had to deal with betrayal of the deepest kind? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did Joseph have grief of course he did uh, in uh, this particular portion is Joseph then gets married and has sons and he says it says he named his older son Manasseh for he said God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family here troubles verse 52 Joseph named his second son Ephraim for he said God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief did he have grief yes was God with him yes did God make him fruitful in his troubles yes Did Joseph have to face incredible difficulty? Yes. Did God prosper Joseph in the midst of it? Yes. Difficulties, betrayals, all of these things, and God's presence, prosperity, and success are not mutually exclusive. They never are. They never are and god is saying let's he's asking us to make sure that our hearts opposition that we're continually girding up our hearts that we're ready for action we understand what he's doing in our lives we can say lord help me to submit to your process you know yesterday as i was as i was praying i could hear people's prayers in the church some people have been crying out and saying why have you forsaken me lord some people have been saying just tell me what to do and i'll do it some people have been saying what have i done wrong But god wants you to know today that we're all on a journey and it's about being faithful with where you are with what he's put in your hand making sure that our hearts are positioned aright girding up our loins of our hearts so to speak so that he can move us on to the next phase of our journey amen and as a church and as a ministry we add a space where things are changing Things are changing. People are being raised up. People are being drawn out. That's what we're wanting to do. That's what God is doing. There's a season change. And so especially at this time, when the enemy comes in wanting to trip you up with things in your heart, to your heart, keep your hearts pure. God is doing something. He's moving us on. The conclusion of this account of Joseph's life is that Joseph's family did ultimately come and bow down to him. They did, because the famine was so bad in the land that they didn't have grain. They had to come to Egypt to purchase grain. And who was in charge of Egypt? Joseph. Was God faithful to his word? Yes, he was. Would you have done it that way? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. And I can see by Joseph's response in um, Genesis 45, verse 4. He says to his brothers when they come to Egypt he says I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt but don't be upset this is Joseph speaking to the brothers who sold him and wanted to kill him he says don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives Listen to his heart. Imagine what he must have gone through to come to a place of understanding it's God who raises one up and puts down another. It's God's process. Everything that's happened to me, it's not about my brothers and my father. It's not about all of this stuff. It's actually about God's purposes and what he wanted to do. And let me tell you something else, that God's purpose is never just for us, for me, for my life, never. If your purpose is just as big as you are for you, and maybe your family it's probably not from god because god's purposes are always bigger than just me my purpose is not for me it's for people it's for my children it's for their children it's for you it's for the people of god it's for much more than just me your purpose is for more because listen to this it was god who sent me here and not you and he is the one to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors he understood god's purposes for other people but he had to pay the price he had to pay the price we have to pay the price for the purpose that god has given us but the purpose is never for us alone it's for people god's people people jesus had to pay the price was it for him yes it's for us too hey jesus is our picture as well So Joseph's purpose purpose was to keep many other people alive, to preserve many people. I love the account of Joseph's life. It encourages me. It encourages me when I can't see the things that God has spoken to me. It encourages me when trials come, when there are difficulties, when days happen. It encourages me because I know God is faithful to his word. He fulfills his word. And you know what? When I can't do anything about what he said, what I can do is steward my heart steward my mind. Be faithful with what he's put in my hands. Gird up the loins of my heart and my mind and be faithful with that and I know God will do the rest. Amen. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man. When God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part. When he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods. Watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him. And with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands while his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands how he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes how he uses whom he chooses and which every purpose fuses him by every act induces him to try his splendor out God knows what he's about god knows what he's about he knows what he's about in your life he knows what he's about in my life do we jeremiah 18 the scripture is beautiful basically jeremiah verse 2 says arise and go down to the potter's house and they will cause you to hear my words this is god speaking then Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was There was something not right with it in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to him. You know what? we all marred in one way or another but our father is the potter at the wheel and he takes us and he remakes us into something that he can use for his purposes and our job is not to say lord what are you doing have you forgotten me our job is to submit and keep our heart right and gird up our loins and say god give me understanding what are you requiring of me at this point in my journey amen I'm going to look at one more example, because I have six, but I prepared too many, so I'm only going to look at one more example, (laughs) Abraham. Now Abraham, so we've looked at Joseph. Now Abraham is an example of someone who had to reposition himself physically. Physically realign, reposition himself to be in the purpose of God. And some of us, once we've repositioned our hearts and our hearts are in the right place and we understand the purposes of God, we got to reposition ourselves physically, geographically, whatever, for the purposes of God. We've got to actually reposition ourselves. Genesis 12, verse 1 Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that i will show you get out of your country get away from your family and from your father's house to a land that i will show you you didn't show him yet Country speaks to me, our identity, the things that I cling to as identity, home, family, identity, the people, my people spot, the place where I'm comfortable, my place of influence, my name, the provision, the safety blanket, the comfort, the belonging, the hey dad, help. Family, get away from that get away from your father's house there is inheritance there there's safety there there's security provision ultimate responsibility doesn't rest on my shoulders what is god actually saying to abraham abraham leave everything 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 everything. your identity how you view yourself your security blankets your provision your everything leave it and come with me to a place that i'm not showing you now Because you're going to be in faith when we go. Just trust me, I'm taking you somewhere. How many of you would go? I'm not showing you yet. Come. We'd be like, wow. Can you just, let me do a financial sort of analysis. Let me do a, let me speak to my family. Let me see, where are we going? How am I going to get there? Do I have enough cash? What will it be like there? Will there be schools for my kids? We'll do a whole analysis. There was nothing of that. God just said, come, we're going. Yo. it speaks to me of a coming of age so to speak it speaks to me of a call to maturity a call to stand up on one's feet with a willingness to shoulder complete responsibility he was leaving his father's house responsibility for him and for the people that he was moving with was going to rest totally on his shoulders coming of age stand up sounds a bit like what God said to Jeremiah stand on your feet arise stand up Abraham it's time now we're going are you coming for some of you God is saying that to you stand up it's time to move on you've been too long in the comfort zone maybe you've been in corporate but you have a dream to start your own business and you're afraid God is saying come on come on let's start even if you keep your corporate job and do a bit of business on come on maybe some of you have that dream to plant churches God is saying maybe saying come on come on it's time What is God saying to you this morning about this? Maybe you don't see the land that he's calling to you. Just have a promise. God is saying, come on, realign yourself. I'm in that season. I'm realigning. I can't see exactly what it'll look like, but I know that I can't stay where I've been. Things have to shift in my life. Things are moving, and I'm just taking one step at a time. God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Just enough. If I can see, I know he's moving me this way, and I can see the next step, that's all I need because God is with me. For some of us, he's calling us on. In what areas do you think God might be calling yourself to reposition yourself? To reposition yourself physically, whether it's with regards to your family, your children, your job, your work, your calling, your business, what is it? Maybe it's to do with how you align your day and your daily schedule. How is God calling you to reposition yourself? He was calling Abraham to leave and trust him at his word. He was calling Abraham to leave the good for something better that God had in mind. The good is always the enemy of the best. This something that was in his heart and mind involved the fulfillment of God's purposes just for Abraham only and his family and his children. No. For many people, hey, God said, him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. It was for many people, God's purposes are never just for you. Therefore, more than just you. But guess what? It began with one man. It began with Abraham. It began with Abraham being willing to pay the price. Because guess what? When God says, leave this, it costs. It always costs it always costs God's promises always cost and the person who receives the word and who needs to be obedient is the one who will pay a large portion of that price but guess what the purpose is not just for that person it's for many people because that's the heart of God that was like abraham hebrews 11 verse 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen god was calling abraham to step out in faith for many of us we need to gird up the loins of our hearts and be in faith i can't step out if god says leave we're going i can't step out unless i'm not in faith does that make sense is that right i can't step out unless i am in faith there we go (laughs) it sounded funny i can't step out unless i'm in faith abraham didn't know where he was going he just knew he had to go he had to go with god and he knew that god would show him where he was calling him and that is faith faith is the substance of things hoped for we don't see them he gave you that promise you don't see it in fact you, you you could be the furthest place from that that but that's okay Be in faith, keep your heart rightly positioned with God, and trust Him. Then when He says, come, we're going, you'll be ready, you can go. And you won't spend 40 years going round in circles in the wilderness while God deals with your heart. Too often, we want to see the promise fulfilled before we've even walked the road of, uh, of faith. Too often, we want to see the end before we begin. How many of you are like that? I want to see the end before I begin. I want to have the map before I start the journey. I want to know what it looks like at the end so that I can decide now if I really want to pay the price to get there. But God gave me the promise, so why wouldn't I? No, but I still want to see it before I start because I want to see it because because I don't fully trust God, because I don't fully know Him. You know, it's because we don't know God. Why do many of us find ourselves in the place where we want to see the end before we start, where we don't want to go until we really know because we don't know God As he really is because we don't trust God so we find it hard to ready ourselves gird up our loins for action because we don't really know the one who's going with us if I don't really know your character I won't fully trust you and there'll be a bit of I'll be a bit cautious and that's how we are with God we don't trust God's word we don't trust his promises we have unbelief in our hearts or we have such poor self images that we we think God sees us the way we see ourselves We see ourselves as unworthy to inherit that promise and we think God sees us the way we see ourselves. No. (laughs) Does that make sense? God sees us through perfect love. He doesn't see us the way we do. And we've made God in our own image, so to speak. Blaise Pascal once wrote, God made man in his image and man repaid the compliment. God made man in his image and man replayed the compliment. What is he saying? He's saying that we've taken how we are and we put that on God and we think God is like us. No, it's the other way around. He made us in his image and we must become more like him. Sometimes we see God as not trustworthy, as temperamental, as changeable, as disapproving, as frowning, as grumpy because that's how we are. But he's not like us. So God says to Abraham, and I'm rounding up now, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. He has no children, by the way, at this point. I will make you a great nation. Now, what is Abraham's response to all of this? Get out from your family. Get out from your country. It's time to go. I'm not showing you where we're going. Just trust me. I'm going to make you a great nation. And he doesn't have any kids yet. Verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord spoke to him. I always say to my boys, Delayed obedience is disobedience. It is. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm just processing it because I just want to see, Lord. I just want to. Maybe it's not you. But all we're doing is delaying. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Verse 4, Abraham departed as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot went with him. Often we take people with us. When people leave the church, they take people with them. When people come to the church, they bring people with them. Wherever we go, when we go into our purpose, we take people with us inevitably. That's how it is. Abraham took Lot with him, and listen to this, Abraham was 75 years old when he got this. Abraham obeyed, and he took people with him. Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in a land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise by faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised I love that do you judge him faithful who has promised you because if you judge him faithful who has promised you you will receive strength to conceive the thing and birth the thing that God has promised you as long as you keep your heart right you gird up your loins you will because God is faithful not because you're worthy but because he's faithful Now, I just want to show you, because I think this will encourage you, it encourages me that Genesis 16, when Abraham was 86 years old, they made another plan because God had promised him that he'll be a father of many nations, a father of a multitude of people, and he didn't have a son, and he was 86. Sometimes God promises things and we're like, "Uh, I think I'm way past that, Lord, and nothing has happened. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to help you, God, because you need help. Let me counsel you, God, because you know what? My time is up. Actually, I think I'm way past maturity now. So a- so Abraham made a plan. Abraham and, and 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 Abraham had a child with his wife's maid, which they did in those days, by the way, Hagar. And they and Hagar bore him Ishmael. And God spoke to him and basically said, "This son was not the son that I promised you." I'm going to give you another son. Remember, he was 75 when God gave him the promise. How long do you think he had to wait to have his son with Sarah? It says in Genesis 17 when Abraham was 99 years old, <laughs> the Lord appeared to him and said, basically, you're going to have a son this time next year. And Abraham laughed. He laughed. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old so he had him when he was 100 he had to wait 25 years shall a man have a child when he's 100 years old and shall sarah who is 90 years old bear a child and he laughed and god basically said yes it's interesting how with matters close to our heart sometimes it's harder to remain in faith isn't it and Abraham struggled we can see that he struggled but God was still faithful even though Ab- Abraham struggled with his faith how long are you willing to wait for the fulfillment of God's promise Joseph was 30 30 plus I think 30 but he, when he left his father's home I think he was in his teens so he was uh, many years in prison and doing and, and in his process Abraham waited 25 years for his son how long are you willing to wait The israelites took 40 years but that was that was their own doing they could have it could have been much shorter so this morning i'm wanting to encourage us to gird up the loins of our hearts to gird up our loins to gird ourselves to prepare ourselves to ready ourselves for the thing that god has for us in this next season and it is a season change for many people i think and if it's not a season change for you remember the message because it's applicable it's applicable. We all need to keep our hearts right. We all need to continually make sure our hearts are girded up on the right place gird up our loins gird up the gird up our loins and prepare ourselves for action what is God taking you into what is the season that God is leading you into right now what is he doing in your heart right now what is he wanting you to do right now how does he want you to prepare for that which he's taking you into and let me tell you something that there is a purpose that only you can do there's something that only I can do there's something that only you can do and we need to make sure that we're doing those things you know in my household. I ask my maid to cook a couple of times a week. Why? Because she can do that. And, that, and, and she, could, she does it well. And it frees me up to spend time with my boys, to mother them. And you know what? Only I can mother them. Only I can be a mom to them. So let me do that. So let's do the things that only we can do. Fi- prepare ourselves, arrange our lives, arrange our hearts so that we're doing the things that God has called us to do primarily. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your journey, to continue to trust God, to continue to remember the words that and the promises that He's spoken over your life, to remember that it's a journey, that we have to try and understand where we're at in our journey with God, and also to remember that He's faithful. God is faithful to fulfill His promise. Thanks, and Paul.